So there it is. I'm giving Steve the book. I actually really like that picture. You look quite, you're very comfortable and at, at ease. You've let yourself, you're, you're vulnerable. I don't know. That's like frame 400 or 500 yeah, right. that we shot that day. Yep. And I took you aside. I told you this book was about when I got really, really sick yeah, and I was yeah, yeah. dealing with suicidal ideation and I showed you this picture and I said, this, this is what the book's about. This is yeah. about me living with a brain that tried to destroy yeah. me at one point. And it was click, beep, of the flash recharging. Click, beep. Yeah. Click, beep. And then you put the camera down yeah. and we hugged. Oh. We, we both knew we got it. Do you remember? Yeah, totally. We hugged, we hugged yeah, yeah. right after this frame. Oh, I could sense that you... We're actually there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like crying. <laughs> that is photographer Steve Bacon, and this is episode 265 of the Oshiginsburg podcast. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 265 of the show with photographer Steve Bacon. You can find him on Instagram. Uh, he's a photographer. It's a good place for photographers to be. Bacon Photo, B-A-C-C-O-N Photo, all one word. It's like bacon with two Cs and then photo. All one word. That makes sense? That makes sense. Great. So what is this show if you're new? Hi. Welcome. Hi. Um, This show, this podcast, it's a conversation between two people, a conversation you get to be a part of, and it's a conversation specifically curated and created to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Sometimes this conversation is going to be with someone that you recognize, someone it'll be with someone you don't recognize. But it will, no matter what, I guarantee In the next hour, you'll hear something that you need to hear. You'll hear something that'll help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. That is a guarantee, and I'm grateful that you're here to be a part of it. Um, That's what I'm here to do. Who am I? Well, I'm a TV host, podcaster, author, husband, stepfather, autobiographical one-man show performer, Airbnb hirer, bicycle rider, guitar player, photographer, foam roller user, kettlebell swinger, coffee maker, and nap taker, Osher Ginsburg. That's what I am. And this is my podcast, and I'm glad you're here. I must. I have to thank so much. Two sold-out nights in Melbourne. Thank you so much. It was a truly, truly wonderful experience to do the gigs at Chapel Off Chapel, a fantastic venue. Um, about 250 people came each night. The crew at Chapel Off Chapel were just fantastic. It's a tricky show to put on. There's a lot of technical things that don't really happen in regular shows, and they took to it, no problem. And my producer, Rachel, was uh, 100% all over it. It would not have happened without Rachel. She just made it. I just stood there and told the stories. Uh, Rachel did everything else. Rachel and Mike Mills. Uh, Mr. Toehider himself was on stage and I would not have had a show on the Friday without Mike, to be honest, because if you were there on the Friday, you'll know that. Um, I woke up with no voice on Friday. I don't know what happened. It was a combination of factors, um, but it's the first time in about 23 years that I've lost my voice to that extent. Um, no voice, just just air was coming out when I tried to speak on Friday morning. And thankfully, Mike Mills is a complete genius 
musically when I said, mate, this is about as high as I can sing. This is my tonal range. I've got about eight notes. So everything above this, I can't do. So we're going to have to do what John Bon Jovi did uh, for about the six months of the Slippery When Wet tour when he lost his voice completely and Richie Sambora had to double for him and John just mimed. And Mike says, no problem, seen the footage, all over it. And he got it straight away. Mike didn't even flinch. He just picked up the melodies in the melody point in the middle of a, of a verse. He just picked it up where I couldn't carry on and away Mike went. Um, I still gave it stacks. Nothing was coming out. I was like, so my mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out of my face. Um, But if you were in the room, thank you so much for the incredible support to get me through that night. It was really lovely to do those two nights there. It was quite the family affair. Audrey Griffin, my beautiful wife, uh, she drew some brand new animations, which was super cool for the new song that's in the show now. Pretty grim, but pretty fun. And um, Georgia and her mates who were down with us in Melbourne for the adventure, they were uh, they were the road crew helping get the mics on, on things on and off stage, which was uh, it was really great. It was great to have everybody there. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming along. And it was great to meet everybody after the show as well. It was just super, super great. And uh, we've got only at this point, we've only got one more show to go, and that is Brisbane at the Powerhouse on the 8th of February. So if you've missed seeing the show so far, at this point, that is the last chance that you'll get to see it. I may yet go full Farnham and announce another tour or a few more dates, but at this point, that's it. There's no more shows after the 8th of February. Um, so, I mean, you could travel. We did have someone come from Abu Dhabi to make the show. We had people fly in from Launceston to make the show. We had people drive down from Canberra to make the show. So if you really want to see the show, you you have my permission. Go ahead. Come on down. It'd be wonderful to see you. Um, I'm really grateful to everyone that braved the weather in Melbourne too on, on Friday night. It was uh, pretty epic. Um, but I won't lie, my own bed is pretty magical. Pretty magical to be in my own bed. I hope you're doing okay. I am actually doing pretty good, despite the fact that my, my voice is toast. Um, I'm actually pretty good. I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I would want to share with you something shifted. Something shifted in my head. It, it, like the day that when I first stopped drinking, I pretty much I had to grip my teeth and hold on with both hands just to get through the day without reaching for a beer. Um but then one day I was busy doing something else and I noticed, hang on, I, I haven't had to, you know, grit my teeth today. Like literally grit my teeth to get my mind off it. I haven't had to grit my teeth today. Well, that's interesting. And look, the change didn't come with a chorus of angels and, and the clouds parting and light shining down from the heavens. It just felt different one day and that was it. It was easier from then on. Similarly, something, I, f- I feel something might have shifted in my head. It seems that a new neural pathway seems to have formed. I, I, I don't know how permanent it is. I've been challenged by a couple of pretty big triggers, but seems to be holding up okay. Um, way more okay than I have been in the last months and years. Well, I don't want to count my eggs before they're chickens, but something, something's different. Um, it wouldn't have happened without all the work that I do every day. I think that's also really important to mention that, you know, Whatever work I'm doing every day has put my head in the place where the new neural pathways have the permission to form, I guess, and new ways of thinking. I have the ability to think in new directions because of all the work that I do. So I don't, you know, I'm just really grateful that brains are malleable things. So look, it might be shit house again next week, but right now, these last, I don't know, what, 10 days or so, it's been all right at this point. It's been all right. Um, in fact, I was speaking about malleable brains 
um, with my Uber driver the other day, lovely bloke from here. He's got two kids. He's from Punjab in India. Uh, he asked about my guitar case. I was traveling to the airport uh, out of Melbourne. And he asked. I started talking about the show. We started talking about the book. And he was telling me, I just need to breathe, man. I just need to keep calm. And I wouldn't have such problems with my head. And I appreciate that because if you've never experienced, you know, overwhelming anxiety or OCD or anything more complicated than that, you, you know, that makes sense to say to somebody, you just keep calm, you'll be sweet. But I had to explain to him that when I was sick, uh, the part of my brain, my, part of my brain that could get calm was broken. It had stopped working. No matter what I tried, I couldn't get to calm. The, the, the door to the room full of calm was locked shut. I had no access to it. I couldn't think or rationalize or breathe or therapy or anything my way to calm. It took a few goes, but he, un- he understood it after a while. Once I explained to him, how did I get it to? I, I said that it was kind of like the switches in my head, all right? And the switch that allowed me to feel safe and calm was broken and it wouldn't switch back, that it was stuck in panic and fear and danger. And he understood that. I do, I do enjoy, uh, I'm trying more and more to talk to my Uber drivers, even though I've, you know, fuck, I always find something busy to do on my phone. But um, I'm finding it way more interesting now to have chats with these these guys. There's always guys. Um, I think I've had two female Uber drivers in my time driving Ubers of the thousands that I've taken. Um, but they've always got a pretty cool story. My um, Uber driver in Adelaide last week, he was a great story. He was from Afghanistan. When he went to school, his country was at war with the Russians. When he went to uni, the Taliban were at war with the Americans. And now he's living in peace in Adelaide. And we just both spoke with, you know, just how much gratitude he has and I have to be living in this country, this wonderful, peaceful country that has so much promise and so much to give. Because it's easy to forget that. It is easy to forget when those switches are stuck on. It's easy to forget that we are, when we're in the depths of that, in the depth of our funk, it's it's easy to forget how lucky we really are. That, look, honestly, like right now, just by having internet access to make a podcast and listen to a podcast, you and me, we are in an incredibly privileged group of people on this planet. And that's, if you look struggling to find a place to begin your gratitude, that's a place you can start. I like to, you know, think about it in the mornings. Got a roof over my head. I've got food in the fridge. I've got two feet to swing over the bed to stand up and walk to an indoor toilet. Clean water comes out of the tap that I can wash with and drink from. I have a safe street to walk when I go outside. And there's so many people in this world that do not have that. That do not have that. And I've been finding if if I start my day there, everything else is pretty much gravy, you know. Um, but look, I know that when, when things were horrid, I would still start my day there. Um, and it was hard to remind myself that those things were good things in my life. But like I said, you've got to do that heavy lifting. You've got to push, push, push. What is it? What's that guy's name? Um, James Clear talks about that. James Clear, he's a, he's a habit guy. He talks about if you've got an ice cube and it's minus five degrees, you can use a lot of energy heating the room to minus four, ice cube still frozen. Use a lot of energy heating the room to minus three, ice cube still frozen. Same again to minus two, ice cube still frozen. Same again to minus one. Using all this energy, you've now used four times more energy to get there to minus one, still frozen. Use five times more energy to get to zero, ice cube still frozen. You know, put another 
another 100% worth of energy, boom, you're at one degree. Ice cube starts to melt. But you only see the change after all that effort. But you wouldn't be able to get there had you not put all that effort in. And so does that make sense? It's not, it's not my, my theory. It's his theory, but... I, you know, that, that, I guess that's how I'd relate to it. You know, even when it's dark, you still got to lift. You still got to do the work. You still got to warm that room up. You know, to get to that point where the ice cube starts to melt. Um. So yeah, starting that gratitude with the simplest of simple things. That's the stuff. It's got to happen every day for me, at least. It's got to happen every day, and it's this time of year that you've. I find I've really got to get it together because it is those final hectic weeks of the year, uh, certainly in Australia, where plans for family get-togethers and the final cramming of all the work gets stuffed into the few remaining hours we have left in the dusk of 2018. It all starts to pile on. and Man, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, it's important to be grateful for the, the bounty, the incredible bounty that we have in this country. Now, it, it may not be 100% here, our leaders may be trying to lead us in a direction that flies in the face of things like, I don't know, facts, evidence-based science, kindness, you know. But it's still pretty amazing here. Still pretty amazing. And it's worth fighting to make it better for all of us. Um, but I hope no matter what stresses you out in the coming days that you can take a couple of breaths and just remember that in this moment, you're okay. You're okay. Even a few precious seconds at a time starts to build, starts to build. You don't build – that Jenga tower gets built one brick at a time, man. One brick at a time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So let me tell you about my guest today. Steve Bacon is a photographer based in Sydney, Australia. You can find him on Instagram, Bacon Photo, B-A-C-C-O-N Photo, all one word. Now, over the years, you will have no doubt seen Steve's work on numerous magazine covers, ad campaigns, billboards, book covers, book covers, including my own book cover. In fact, the photo that became the cover of my book that Steve shot 
That photo has been named as a finalist in the National Photographic Portrait Prize, and it'll be exhibited at the National Portrait Gallery in Canberra from February 22nd, which, you know, I'm totally thrilled about. The story behind that photo is well and truly worth hearing, which is why I got Steve in as my guest this week. A, a quick note about, about that. Um, I know this is not the photography podcast, but it just, it just so happened we had two shooters in a row on the show. However, the way that my guest last week, Doug Menway, pr- approaches photography versus the way Steve approaches photography, they're two entirely different things. They're two entirely different conversations. Um, you may not ever take a photo on anything other than your phone, and that's fine. But what Steve has to teach us about approach to work, humility when it comes to applying yourself to work that you may be tempted that you think you're above or bigger than, indeed how to cope when everything is going to shit and the pressure is on, when everything's going horribly wrong, what Steve has to teach us about those three things and so much more, it is absolutely worth listening to this show. Steve is a wonderful man. He's warm, he's humble, he's kind. And because of all those things, because he's a bloody good shooter, he was my first choice to shoot the cover of the book. And you're about to hear. You're about to hear why. So come to Bronte, to my kitchen, and enjoy a cup of coffee and a great chat with the wonderful human from Sydney, Australia. That is Steve Bacon. Hey, it's good to have you here, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, where have you come from? I live at Karingba. Now, so. for people who are from Sydney, what's that? That is the southern beaches of Sydney, sort of um, down in Cronulla, next suburb to Cronulla. Cronulla's the last one, isn't it? Last one of Sydney. Oh, I think there's Bundina. But I'm not sure whether that's part of Wollongong or... No, no, before the bay, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cronulla's yeah. the last, that's the point. Yep. And so, Karingba is... Well, that Just same inland. stretch of sand or inland from that? Inland a little bit, so along the waterways. So you travel probably 2Ks off the coast, but the water's probably 200 metres away or 300 metres away. Right. So it's, sort of, it's all bays and inlets. And, and the water's still a part of your day? Every day. Every day I swim or surf or something. Yeah. What does that give you? Oh, satisfaction and a bit of peace, a bit of, bit of I don't know, self-thought. And yeah? Just to get through your day, I guess. How? Just you can you you get a bit of clarity, stop sweating small stuff. Yeah, because everyone does. So you know, trying to get away from it. What do you like if you don't? Oh, I'm a little bit antsy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit trying to do something. I like to do. It's nice to do something physical and challenging every day. Obviously, you can't. So if I'm shooting and I'm away, well, I'm not doing anything like that. But um, I will try and if I'm in a, like I was in Japan recently and. I, we were working pretty hard, so one we had one afternoon off, so I went and did laps <laughs> at a pool, so just to get a bit of water in my system. It's yeah. it's interesting. There there's some people who just have that thing. They have that 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 the, that buoyancy thing. It's got to be a part of their day. Yeah, I, I was a terrible swimmer when I was a kid. Like horrible swimmer. I used to hate it. My mum laughs that I surf and stuff now. Like so when I was a kid, I'd always be saying, oh, "I'm cold, I'm cold," but um, yeah, now I'm just. I kind of, I actually kind of prefer surfing in winter to summer because less, less people, <laughs> just a bit more, and a bit more core. Like in terms of, just requires a bit more motivation to yeah. get out there. Like, Where, so when did surfing start for you? I think it was about twelve or thirteen. Yeah. How'd that happen? I don't know how it happened. Actually, happened actually. Um, my sister's ex-husband used to surf, and 
that's sort of how I start. My brother did as well, but he took me a few times. But I, I actually don't know. I just think it was just one of those things that just happened. Yeah. It's horrible for the first few years just just, just battling. People don't help. tell you that part, do they? No. You see the photo yeah. of someone on a wave somewhere in Indo and it looks like it's, you know, been doodled in the corner of a maths yeah. textbook. It's a perfect shape. They're just in board shorts and everything's so yeah. peaceful. They don't tell you that that's eight seconds of probably an hour of beating this very, very floaty, hard, pointy, dangerous polystyrene thing. Yeah, totally. Through heavy waves, trying yeah. to be a void, getting run over by other people, yeah. keeping in the same position. Oh, totally. And it's sort of, you're not really, your, worst, your own surfboard's your worst enemy. That's the thing that hit you the most. But that guy on that wave, he might not even made that wave and he probably might have got flogged to an inch of his life from that. And he wouldn't, you just don't know. It's yeah. all perception, isn't it? Like, Looks like fun. Yeah. It is fun, but that's the challenge of surfing is that it's like I've been surfing for a very long time and I'm probably getting worse as I get older, but it's still it's a massive challenge. Yeah. To surf and to try and surf well, you know. But you know, but what's, what's always fascinates me is that it's one of the only things that grown men and women do as adults. It's the closest thing to play. Because yep. there's really no point. No, there's no point. There is no point in surfing other than self-gratification. Self-gratif- you know, it's- like that's all it is. Like it, you sort of – and you're being with the ocean and nature and all that as well. So that all plays into – you feel like you're part of something bigger as well. But it's – um in the end, it's just you. You can be with a whole group of people, but you're on your own really. Yeah. You know, you get – yeah, I've done all these. I've done it. I did a breath course, which was unreal, to learn to hold your breath a bit longer. And um, but you're on your own. Like someone can try and get to you, but really, you're on your own. So the breath course was that uh, like one of those Wim Hof things, or was it a? Uh, yeah, it was sort of along those lines, I guess. It, it's called breath enhancement training. The guy's name is Nam Nam Baldwin, in off the Gold Coast. He'd be great. He's unreal. Perfect talker. He's, I've had – you're a third person to mention that guy's name on he's, this show. He's amazing. He's like change your life to that course. Like it's not just for surfing but it's it's a form of meditation I guess. Like we – I think the first course – I've only done one but I will do another one and it's, it's four hours but at the end of the course you feel like you've had a massage. Like you're pretty gassed. Like you're pretty tired but um, yeah, it's – exhilarating we left like I did with a mate of mine Mick and we left and we felt amazing we're in the car we just talked the whole way home it's like, how good was that do you use that every day I try and do the the breathing oh yeah. that's hard what's it look like it's just so you just go you just try and expand your diaphragm there's a lot of different breath exercises to do and then but you do have to do part of it in the pool and you're not to do the, the pool stuff by yourself, yeah. In case you okay. pass out, yeah, true. So um, I haven't done as I really haven't done enough training since I've I did it, yeah. But um, it's hard to find someone to to do it, to train with and have the time. But isn't that interesting that we have these abilities, these things within our bodies that we can do, yeah. And if it's only it's a simple set of of movements, yeah, that we can control. And then take more control over our what's the one the autonomic nervous system? 
the one that we don't control. Oh, yeah, okay. All right? Yep. That then changes our, can enhance our mood, can combat depression, can combat all kinds of things. Focus. 100%. Totally. Like just being able to believe that you can do it as well. Obviously, if you're under the water for 10 minutes and just because you can believe, believe it, so you're going to survive it. But, mm. yeah, I think belief and confidence goes such a long way in our, in our world. Yeah. You know? It really does. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember, so you mentioned that you're, uh, you've got a couple of brothers and sisters. Were you, your folks together? What part of the world did you grow up in? I grew up, so I was born in a place called Canamble, which is out near Canabarabran. My dad was a shearer. My folks were together, always together, yeah. That's great. Um, my dad passed away probably six years ago, five, six years ago now. He was 81 or 82. So he had a pretty a good life. that lived that long. Yeah. Those guys did not <coughs> pull no. punches. No, he was a tough guy. Like he was um, he was in the Navy in the Korean War on the HMS Sydney. Um, wow. Met my mother is from um, Milton down the south coast. And I think they met um, when he was at the Albatross base in Nara. Yeah, big family, three sisters and a brother. Right. Yeah. So was dad still in active service when you were a kid? No, no, no. He was far from that. We So when we were in the country, he was he had trucks. He was like a truck driver and things. I had a couple of trucks. And then we moved to Sydney when I was, I think it was four. So I studied all my schooling in Sydney. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, but my brother... So my brother's nine years older than me and he's the closest sibling to me. And he, I think my dad was sort of moved, the purpose to move was so my brother had some good opportunities and stuff. So, because there was nothing really happening out there. No, there's not a lot going on. No, so, and I got to say, it was sort of unreal that he did because I appreciate that big time. Oh man, did he ever tell you shearing stories? Did he ever tell you, oh, kids are lucky? Oh yeah, I've heard some stories of, some pretty funny stories. Like he was a tough guy. Like, you know how you hear about people, you know, they go outside to sort things out at the pub. Well, I think they used to do that. Yeah. And then they'd go back in and have a beer. Like it was just no grudge, just sort it out. And they sorted it out. You wouldn't, you'd never see that these days. Like it'd be someone would win and then no, someone wouldn't let them win, you know, it'd be like take it to the next level or something, you know. Isn't, sort of, that, isn't that interesting? Like I wonder what... I remember the last actual fair pub fight I saw was in Toowoomba. You know, that now if two guys have a disagreement, I mean, if you can't talk about it, you're an idiot. Yeah. But if you're like, we have to go outside, the only way to settle this is with fists. Yeah. You know, there's a moment, what used to happen is there were a moment where one of the guys goes, all right, okay, all right, yeah. Summer Heights High is a better show than Jonah from Tonga. That's right. I'm out of here. You're correct. Yeah. Cannot buy you a beer. Yeah. And then- that's it. The rest of the night continues and no one goes on. Yeah. Now, it would be one bloke's nine friends jump on oh. the other one and it doesn't stop until an ambulance is called. It's crazy. Yeah, you better off just cut and run. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> and I like it's live to fight another day. It's just so stupid. Oh, live to not fight. <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah. I'll never forget I was in Toowoomba. I was, I was still a roadie at the time. I was loading out of a place called the courthouse. Yeah. And um, we were loading out. We were loading a van and there's this massive crowd outside because they closed the bar. It's the most dangerous time ever after closing because oh. there's suddenly 100 drunk people who haven't pulled totally. up. Like all these guys who haven't pulled, guys who are just like horny and, mm. and full of beans and they're you know, not yeah. going to have sex. So anyway, it starts. Something kicks off. 
And one of the guys, he uh, punched here, punched that, and went, wait, wait, wait. And he had his nice shirt on and he took his unbuttoned shirt off. No took way. his button-down shirt off and the other bloke just waited. No way. The other bloke waited for him to unbutton his shirt. He handed his shirt to his friend. Back on. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He had confidence, didn't he? He probably won. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was busy putting road cases. You know what? We were like, let's get no, out of here. No one wins a fight. Even if you win, you, you're bashed. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's you're so, absolutely right. So stupid. How old, uh, how old were you when you first realised that cameras were a thing? You know, I was very late to photography. So I even went through all of high school and never took a photograph. And I was more into art. So I, I wanted to be an illustrator and things like that. And I kind of... I left school, high school, and I hadn't applied to any colleges or anything. And I sort of was there pressure from your folks to do that? No, that was probably the problem. There was no pressure at all. So I actually, I wasn't. I never applied. <laughs> I should have. So I did. I did a few interviews and things, but it was all after the fact. And there was no spaces left in any of the courses. So I just went and studied at TAFE near me for a few months. And what'd you do? Fine arts and. I had some amazing teachers. So one of my teachers was Wendy Sharp, who won the Archibald Prize, and it was unreal. Like, just I just seem to. I think in my life, I feel like I've been lucky in that I've chanced upon things in a way as well. Like, so if I went to a to College of Arts, you know, in Sydney and Balmain and and Darlinghurst, I might not have had those teachers, and they were amazing teachers. So, and to give, get them in such a small um, class is amazing. So, mine was a course, mine was an associate diploma course, but I, only, I think I did nine months there. And then I, I actually got a job at Fairfax, at the, one of the suburban papers near me, as a cadet photographer. And I actually don't know how I got the job, to be honest, <laughs> because I didn't really have many photos to show. And I don't know, I think maybe I, I did dress up in a my dad's suit or something so it was turned up in this ill-fitting suit I think it was ankle freezes and you know I don't know I had like probably 12 pictures and I was just lucky enough to get the job where were the photos from through your course yeah just through my course so I remember doing did a couple of train trips as part of an assignment and shot people on the train and things like that and that's about it. I think there's a couple of fine art pictures too. Like we did shots of models and things like that, some nude models and just all arty stuff and a lot of darkness. And I don't. I probably hated those photographs. But <laughs> so what I'm often interested by, particularly when it comes to something like art, yep. which is so subjective. Oh, so subjective. What is it that you learn at one of those courses? I think you learn technical stuff to begin with and then you learn composition you're, you're learning all the theories and things like that but in the end you can or you can't it's sort of you can be taught everything I've seen a lot of people at college and when I was there and it's just like this looks I thought to me. I just think to myself you know you're technically a perfect photographer like amazing but sometimes when they shoot people there's just lifeless things you know and so it's sort of and that makes for different genres of or different and different sort of parts of photography so i don't have the patience to for still life photography at all like i'm in and out i'm like 
like bulldogging through things and I don't have the patience to move something two millimeters to make it better because to me I can't see how that makes it better but a still life photographer that makes the world of difference to that image you know but but it's lost on me I appreciate it but it's just not something I can do but so but you're you're already in so high school I'm just trying to see if there was a parallel here so high school was it a victory as far as marks go no. Nah. Okay. Oh, no, I, like I got through. So I was part of the – so oh, so I'm 47. So my scores were out of 500. Uh-huh. And so I got – what did I get? 375 or something out of 500. Okay. So I did all right. Like my math – like so I did really well in maths of all things. So I did two units, three units. Oh, did I do three units? I think I should have done three units, but I didn't because I got top 10% of the state in two unit maths. And then okay. things like that. And I, I just didn't. I was a bit, not lazy, but I only did what I had to do at school. Uh, yeah, okay. I didn't do anything extra. But then, because I think, I think we might have followed a similar pathway where it's like high school, I was about the same. I got about maybe 67, 70% of, yep. yeah, but it wasn't enough to get me in anywhere. Yep. Went and did a TAFE course on something I loved, yep. which was music, and ended up, boom, yeah, career. <laughs> Yeah, but totally flying in the face of everything they tell you in high school that if you don't succeed, life is over. Just bullshit. It is such bullshit. Like it's, it life's a hopefully a long. It's a long time, you know. So you can change paths anytime, you know. Obviously, as you get older, they they feels like those paths get a little bit difficult to change because you put all these other pressures on yourself, like mortgages and family and things like. But you can change. Yeah. Just, you might have to work a bit harder. You know, might have to have, have three jobs to to change that. But then that proves how badly you want to change too. But if you want it, it's not work. No, if if you right. love it, it's an incredible opportunity. I was having this conversation yeah. with my manager yesterday. There's a uh, there's there's a job, you know, that we're, we're talking about this job at the moment, and um, I'm like, it's it's so nice. It's so wonderful to be wanted. Oh, totally. Is it the thing that's going to make me jump out of bed in the morning? Yeah. It's like the radio job that I had in Brisbane. Oh, man. You know, it it breaks my heart that I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. But my life is so different because I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. No, I can relate you to know? that. I've, I, I've done shoots purely for money, obviously. But um, you've got to put your heart into everything no matter what the job is because it's you – know, I, I was told when I worked at – Fairfax and the Herald, it's like every job you go to, no matter how mundane or, or I don't know, or you might look at it as something not worth your time, you can get anything out of that. But that could be that person. That's the best day. They're stoked. They're absolutely stoked that you've come out there to photograph them or cover their event or something, you know, and they've put everything into it. Like it's not fair to judge it on just first appearances it's sort of you can, and you can get pictures out of things everything's got a picture in it you know like it's just up to you to to find it to put the time in to find it never be bigger than the job that's what i was sort of told did you talk to me talk to me about that what is the what was the never be bigger than the job it's not about you it's like as a photographer job's not about me i'm there to i'm not a facilitator that's probably the wrong word but i'm there to cover the event or to photograph the person but don't make it about me because that's it's too much ego you know it's sort of it's not about me i'm there to 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 shoot the job get the best possible picture i can get out of it 
and then move on. Really, you know. It's. I'm, I'm sure you've you've heard and seen stories of photographers. There's a. I wish I remember the name, but it was told to me by. He was the former editor of the Face magazine, which oh, was yeah. one of the hippest things in the yep. in the world, and um, he was telling me about this one photographer who you know, <laughs> wouldn't touch the camera, wouldn't touch the camera as the fashion shoots, editorial shoots being set up, wouldn't touch the camera. Assistants, assistants, da 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 da. Test yep. shots, test shots, test shots, test shots, and then he would walk in and go. We're going to film. Uh, <laughs> then uh, they, they parodied him in that film, Predaporte. Yep. They, yeah, he was. That was who they were parodying. Yeah. And uh, he just basically turns up, doesn't even look in the viewfinder, yeah. pulls a cable race. Got and it. That's it. Yeah. That's the job. <laughs> oh God. I'd love to be able to do that, but that's not in my nature. <laughs> such a, it's such a wank, though. It's such oh, a... But you know, some people, some clients love the show. It's the thing. It's this experience. Ah, right. I, that's my. I, I think it's sort of you know embrace it. Sort of makes it. There's no show when when I shoot. It's no show. It's just try and make it as fun as possible. And yeah, you know, get it done. What do you What do you learn as a? I mean, I'm sure the the job that you did does not exist now, considering the barrier to entry to what photography is now for people. Oh yeah, no. What did you learn as a cadet photographer at a suburban paper that still serves you today? I don't know. I think he, I think what I said before, like every thing has a picture. Like it's every job, no matter how mundane, small, pedestrian, whatever you want to call it, has 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 really good photographs. Doesn't matter what it is, you know. You don't have to cover, you know, the Academy Awards or you know, photograph the El McPherson or something. You know, doesn't everything's got some. It has a picture, you know. It's just a lot of ego comes in with those big jobs and stuff, obviously, and you got to carry them but um i remember shooting dog of the week i still love shooting dog of the week i, st- I don't know i just loved it i forget i took out and i put every week that i did it i'd try and go out and i wanted to get a really nice portrait of a dog <laughs> it was funny and you kind of um i don't know you just put these little competitions in your head you know you're trying to do the best you can do always do the best you can do with what you've got i reckon and it was they were really hard jobs because that was all manual focus. It was like dogs moving around, you know, and you're like, far out, just sit still, can you? Dog all it wants to do is lick you and bite you, you know, and it's And shooting on film, it's not like now we nah. can just hit burst mode on your phone and get nah. twenty five frames and pick one. Oh, totally. You're you're manually winding on your manual and that's it. I wasn't allowed to have a motor drive for two years, so I I just have to wind on. I you get really good though. Like you could, I can wind and shoot and wind. I used, well, not now, but I used to be able to shoot and wind really quick, just like pretty quick, change film rolls quick. And Isn't that interesting that the technology, the technology of the cameras at the time almost, you're saying you weren't allowed to have a motor drive because it was almost, no, 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 it's almost like getting your pen license when exactly. you're in school, right? I needed my motor drive license. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah. no, 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 until you can show me of the 36 frames yep. that, 30 of them are sharp yeah. and the composition's good. Yeah. Only then will we yep. let you have a thing that'll get you through a canister yep. in a minute. Yeah, because we used to go out with ten, oh, two pro packs or something of films. That's 10 rolls for a 35 mil oh, and 10 rolls for a medium format camera too. But um, yeah, God, success rate. You had to be there. 
Yeah, to have a pretty good success rate with focus. Oh, I know. This, what have I got here with this tiny little Sony in my hand? It's a Sony point and shoot, one of the Alpha series. It's really, really small. Everything's but, in focus. Mate, <laughs> I've got, I think I, I, I destroyed it. What have I got? A 64 gigs of, uh, I've got 64 gigs in this tiny little card here. Oh, yeah. I could shoot 10,000 frames on that. Oh, you only need yeah. one. It is, and then you've got to edit them. Yeah, that's well, the that, that, that's the thing, you know, the idea of, um, and for a time when I was living in Los Angeles, I really got into four by five and yep. developing it myself with yeah. dark slides and everything. Just like as far as slowing the process down as much as possible to be like when I click, when I get that hundred and twenty fifth of a second, it's got to be perfect. Yeah, I can't just go bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang, bang. Yeah, there's something about that. Oh, there is. Like I, God, what, I shot Kelly Slater, and I was just I was doing an ad for electric and with many the surf label. Yeah, the yeah. sunglasses many years ago and um, we were shooting and oh, I remember Waves had this, you know, was it called Dope Youth? They were doing this, it's one of their best like films they did, like surf films and Kelly Slater came and um, he was only there for, I don't know, long, one hour or something but he was sort of coming in and out and I had a, a Polaroid 600 SE, like a goose, that's what they used to call them and um, I had a pack of type 665 black and white in and I shot I said oh Kelly can I shoot take a picture and um, I did and I shot two frames <laughs> that was it and I said oh thanks and they went, I think it was surprised but um, yeah I went oh that's it yeah, no worries done and that was it that was the photo that was what I used yeah <laughs> <laughs> two frames yeah used it in I did a book about I don't know how many years ago it was now but yeah it's in my book <laughs> so good. How did you start getting involved in uh, shooting surfing? I, from snowboarding. So I used to shoot a lot of snowboarding and then I stopped shooting snowboarding because my body was just getting hurt. Well, just on the weekends you'd go down with mates and take yeah. cameras from work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So lend, out, lend out the 600 mil and go down the snow. Yeah. Yeah. So I used, to try, I used to ride around the mountain with a 300-2.8 in my backpack. So I'd have a 300-2.8 and a 16 mil fisheye sort of thing and that was it uh-huh. and um, I think I had a wide as well like a 20 mil but um, yeah I used to love shooting with the 300 and um, yeah it's what we used to do go down on the weekends and we'd just go down madly and just we'd be down there all the time actually got really obsessed with snowboarding and that was what the year was at 1990 I think it was yeah real early days yeah, and uh, a lot of the guys that I was riding with ended up turned out to, they ended up getting sponsored and stuff, and so it actually made it a bit easier for me through the photographs that you were shooting. No, not just through my um, photos, but through their abilities and things and stuff, and competitions and things they were doing, and they picked up a few sponsors and we did a few ads and things together, and then it sort of went from there. And then then I finished my cadetship, and then we just went and lived in Canada for a year and shot over there, so it was kind of nice. Wild. World opened up a bit more then too for us. Yeah. So it's sort of nice. Yeah. And that, so that, that led to snowboarding. So the introduction. So I met, I got friends with people at Quicksilver and Billabong and all those brands. And then I sort of stopped snowboarding and sort of didn't lose the association with the brands and stuff totally, but I went in a different path and I got a job when I came back from Canada at Fairfax again with um, the in the features department at the Herald. So I did like, Sunday life, good weekend, good living, those sort of things. And that, I think that was what changed my path in photography. 
became more portrait and fashion orientated and just wanted to do better. Like I really loved Richard Avedon's work and sort of I got to appreciate photography a bit more, I think. I think it sort of evolved. Like I, my early work I could say was pretty shit-ass. <laughs> I, t- I told that to a working experience kid the other day. He, you know, he was, I met a working experience kid at a radio station the other day and, he, and I said, mate, you want, you want me to tell you something? Like if you're here to learn, I can tell you three things right now. And he goes, yeah, 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 tell me, tell me, tell me. And I said, all right, well, one of them is you've got to be prepared to be shit Yep. for about five years and be told your shit for about five years and understand that you are. Yep. You don't know everything. No, and you just have yep. to – you've got to work it. You've got yeah. to work every goddamn day. I totally do and it's sort of like – You can't have the overnight thing. It doesn't nah, exist. doesn't exist. It's like – and it's – you kind of like – I still stuff things up, miss opportunities and, you know, you don't capitalise on moments and mm. stuff. That's life, of course. But, yeah, like you might fluke it within that period and then you could get a little bit cocky and then you'll fuck it up again and then you'll, you know, yeah. it's like you need to do that. You actually need to to mess it up to know that I'm not going to mess that up again, you know. Yeah. Like I, God, one of the biggest things I would love, to, like one job though, if I could do a job now that I, when I, when I was a first year cadet, Jacques Cousteau, came to Cronulla, to the fisheries at Cronulla. And, if, oh, God, if I could have that opportunity again, my God. I was just tagging along to just want to, I thought, oh, yeah, sweet, I'll go see Jacques, you know, National Geographic. I didn't realise the the magnitude of it really, you know. Like it was, I guess that, and that's a good thing. One too, of the greatest like, explorers to ever live. Ever, you know, like and, yeah, I just didn't realise the, Opportunity, yeah. really. So it's 19 or something. Yeah. Here's a part of the world that we don't know how to explore. I know. I'll invent a way to explore it and then lead the way in exploring it. Yeah, exactly. So good. So I shot some pictures and they're all underexposed by like two stops and it's just like, yeah, okay. This, I've got – there's something there but I'd love to have that opportunity now. Yeah. Two when, seconds. we like, perfect. So you've gone from riding around the snow with a backpack shooting people you're very close with to essentially meeting a stranger and then within an hour having a picture that will run on the front cover of a magazine that will be distributed in a national newspaper that will hopefully express their personality. That is a big leap. Massive leap. To make. Oh, yeah. What did you learn about connecting with people when you moved into the studio stuff? Uh, I think you've got to be self uh, You know, you've got to... Have a joke, I think, and not not sort of try not to buy into, I don't know, how, the situation a bit too. Like it's, it's just people, really, or just sort of there. They want to get – and most people that I find that I've shot, they want to get in and out. They want to get in and out pretty quick, you know. So if you can, if you can be quick, they'll love you, you know. You know, and you don't want to fluff around and sort of look like you don't, you don't know what you're doing. You want to get it done, get it done well, and you want to have a joke with them. You, you, basically, I share my life a bit too with them sort of – I'm not making it about me, but I'm just trying to relate. If you can find something, a bit of common ground, and that was probably one thing that I, I think is important, find some common ground. Everyone has common ground. Yeah. Yeah. Which is when they ask me, who do you want to shoot – the cover, yours was the first name. Oh, thanks, mate. Well, no, Steve, <laughs> though, but I've, you know, I think we crossed paths over the years so with, yeah. with the surf stuff that you were doing and yep. I'd seen you 
various places around the planet. Oh, Steve's here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shooting right. again. Hey, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Shooting girls on longboards, you yeah. know, somewhere in Tahiti or something. Where we yeah. And um, I was like, no, 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 I really, you know, I really like the way, I really like the way that, that, that he shoots. And then, and extraordinarily, you were, you were free that day because you're a traveling man. I do get around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've got to say it was one of the, and I've, you know, been in the, in the media for I think my first photo shoot was for I think it was for Clio magazine or Cosmo magazine in oh yeah ninety nine at the old Pioneer Studios yep Pioneer yes. um, yep that was the first time I was on a proper proper set I think it was Kane Skinner that shot me that day. oh Kane yeah. no, I can't remember but I've done a lot of photo shoots basically yeah I know you've been. I've done a few. Everyone sucked that soul out of you a few uh, times. Right. I sucked it out of myself for a long time. I did, <laughs> did self-portrait every day for a year with, yeah. with two off-camera flashes. I yeah. took a backpack with me everywhere I went so I could do it. Yeah. Um, but there was something about that, you know, and I talk about it. You know what? Hang on. Stand there. I'm going to show you something. You talk me through it. All right. You talk me through it. Ah. So there it is. I'm giving Steve the book. Oh, I look at that handsome man on the cover there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I, I love. I actually really like that picture. You look like you're very comfortable and at, at ease. You've let yourself. You're, you're vulnerable. Well, we'd been shooting. You know, you told me how we came to that frame because what has never happened in my entire career of being shot. All right, yeah. never was. We, we, I think it was a third or fourth setup we'd done. Yeah, so we were, yeah, yeah. were a few different different yeah. backgrounds, a few different wardrobes. Yeah. You know, yeah. da 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 da. Yeah, and then because we're motoring through, we we're going pretty fast too. So that gives you a bit of freedom. Yeah, as well. So, we were yeah. hooking through it, and then there was a bit of a. I think something was getting steamed or something. So we oh, had yeah, a few yeah. moments. Yep. And I took you aside, and I showed you. I talked to you about. So I said, "Do you know what the book's about?" And then I showed you this picture. Ah, uh, yeah. Because so, yeah. I told you this book was about when I got really, really sick yeah, and I was yeah, yeah. dealing with suicidal ideation and I showed you this picture and I said, this, this is what the book's about. It's about yeah. me living with a brain that tried to destroy yeah. me at one point. And then we went to this, sh- this setup yeah. and never in my career, and I think by this point I looked at the, the – thank you for sending me the photos, by the way. I looked at it. I don't know. That's like frame – 400 or 500 yeah, right. that we shot that day. Yep. <laughs> and it was click, beep, of the flash recharging. Click, beep, you're on the 50 mil. Click, beep. Yeah. Click, beep. And then you put the camera down. Yeah. And we hugged. Oh. We, we both knew we got it. Do you remember? Yeah, totally. We hugged, we hugged yeah, yeah. right after this frame. Yeah, because I think you actually, um, oh, I could sense that you were actually there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like crying. <laughs> but it was the most extraordinary. Yeah. It was the most extraordinary experience I've had having my photo taken because we would, you know, we were, we were having this this moment together where I told you this is the story I want to tell. This is really important yeah. that we get this picture you right. Know, yeah, I can totally remember that now. Like, and then you put on the superpower. You put on Everlong for the Foo Fighters. That's right. Which will do it. Yeah. <laughs> but that we both knew, mm. you know. 
But you look, I, I'm just looking down a, a throaty, throaty barrel of that big 50 mil that you've got. Yeah. The, the, I think it was a 1.2. 1.2. Yeah. There's a lot of glass. It's basically like the, the bottom of a coffee cup <laughs> yeah, it's, of glass, right? It's a very and impressive I can, I can just, just see your eyeball through the mirror. Yeah. Uh, from the inside, if you look close enough through the single lens yeah. reflex. So I can just see your eyeball. So I'm trying as hard as I can to find your eyeball inside that no lens. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, that's what I always do. Yeah. Um, which is why mirrorless is weird. Yeah. It's like, there's <laughs> no one in there. You can't see. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we got that. And I just, and I can't remember what we shot after that, but I think. No, I kind of knew that once you get it, you kind of, there's no point in, you may as well change and do something else. Like you just, do another shot because I don't know. I don't I honestly don't think we'd we'd get that moment again like that. No. It gets similar, but you won't actually get that. It's amazing how the shot stands out. It's amazing how a pitch you could shoot. Well, we shot four or five hundred pitches. One picture stands out like it's kind of amazing how that works. It's just one pitch where your guard is not down, but it's. It's you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, I think everyone reacts, everyone will get a different picture because it's the way they interact with the person, you know, it's sort of what they're getting out of them. And, you know, they might not, everyone, I don't know, the photographer might be having a shit day or something, you know, and it's grumpy or something, you know, and you, you won't connect. It's just, you just won't get anything. But then that might, that's to their detriment too because they've got to get over that. But, and that'll be it. You'll probably never want to shoot with that guy again. So yeah. it's like it's up to the photographer to bring it out. Do you notice that if you have taken that time to, as you mentioned earlier, share a bit? Like it's, I mean, we knew each other, but if you're meeting someone as a stranger, and then I oh, definitely do. You, do you notice that if you're having a hard time connecting, it's harder to get that? Oh yeah. If you're a little bit worried, like I, I actually don't do much research ever. I try and I like to go into a shoot pretty blind. Don't want to know how big they are or whatever, you know, I'm just trying to, if I don't know them, it's good sometimes, you know, it's nice to not know them, you know, but that, the downside is that if you run out of things to say, you can't go anywhere with it, you know, you're like, oh, all right, where do we go from here? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it, you do need to, you totally need to connect, like find something that you have in common or if you can't find something, play some music or stop shooting to stop shooting and talk you know i'd rather waste 10 minutes of the 15 and talk for 10 minutes and then just shoot for five than just shoot for the whole 15 it's like you might you might not get anything you know you're better off saving it and having having 10 great pictures than 500 shit ones yeah know? so that i think it and then you, what you work into a situation too i think and keep things simple don't try and overcome. I'm not David LaChapelle. I don't. I can't be like that. Like it's if you're going to go full on, you got to go full on. Yeah. You know, halfway looks like you're halfway. You I, I met the guy that Christmas wrapped the house. I met oh, wow. one of his old set designers once. Yeah. I knew him for a while in Los Angeles. He Christmas wrapped the house. Far out. It was like six weeks of work to get all that shit. He's like know. that works amazing. Oh. Doesn't. It's not me, but 
It's amazing. <laughs> like, it really is. It's bonkers. It's, like, oh, it's crazy. You, me- you mentioned uh, for people people by now, I mean, I guess, you know, there's plenty of reality TV around that shows what photo shoots, photo shoots look like. There was oh, a totally. time when you never really saw what a set looked like, what yeah, a photo yeah. set looks like. It's a very interesting environment. As you mentioned earlier, some clients love the show. Now, yep. not everyone is going to be in a situation where um, they're a photographer or having their photo taken, but everyone's going to be in a situation where they're, you know, they're trying to maintain control of a group of people yes. who are, again, essentially strangers. Yep. You may know only one or two if your assistants, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you, what have you found works in those situations when you're trying to maintain control of this heaving throng? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, the worst thing that can happen is if it gets away from you, definitely. Like, and I understand that's why some photographers have the show because then they're controlling the situation, and in that's their way of controlling the situation. I don't do it that way because I don't. I'm not a yeller, or I don't like yelling on set. I'm not gonna be, you know, not that type of guy. Like, so I'll I'll actually help. Like, I'll get in there. I'll move lights. I'll carry gear. Like, it's not about it's just I like things to be a collaboration, especially with my assistants and stylists and art directors and stuff. It's sort of the, I'm the I am the pointy end, obviously, but it's a collaboration. You know, everyone I'll miss things. Like I first to admit, like I'll miss a detail, and I'm not looking for the details. So when I'm shooting someone, I'm only looking at your eyes. That's it. You know, generally I might sneak or might might look around. Like if something's out, you know, I'll definitely look, but. I'm generally only looking at your eyes. So in a portrait shoot or even a fashion shoot, that's what I'm looking at. Like I'm that's I'm relying on a stylist and art directors to look at everything else and my assistants to tell me things. Um, I'm a stickler for focus. Can't stand out of focus pictures, but that was probably from um, my first boss when I was a cadet. He is a massive stickler for focus. So I was... Um, that's my th- – I'm a stickler now for that. <laughs> Again, though, it goes back to what what was the format at the time and that you were limited by the resolution of the newsprint machines, all right? Yeah. So if your picture wasn't pin sharp, oh, yeah. by the time it had been put out in those little dots that your newsprint oh, used to be, out, it would be this out. blurry, mushy piece of, yeah. you know, looked like a piece of wet paper towel. Oh, totally. And we weren't – we were always – I love dark pictures, like a lot of black, but in newsprint – it's all over people's fingers and, you know, it's like they'd, oh, they'd very rarely run a dark picture, very rarely. I shot a picture of Pele once and um, it was dark. It was a really dark picture but it was just like a little sliver of – I don't even got the picture on my phone or anything. Like it's just – I have a print at home but I don't have the neg or anything. But, um, yeah, it's just a dark picture. But with, but with a highlight contrast. Just a little his, highlight, yeah. you know, around – one quarter of his face, the rest mm. sort of bleeds off into darkness and dark skin, dark background. It's like really low key. And um, I printed that up and I went, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Pele. <laughs> wow. What, uh, great I don't think they used my picture though, but they used yeah. some, um, the other photographers because hers was wider and a bit brighter. And, yeah. Yeah. But I was happy just to shoot Pele. Yeah. You know, so, yeah extraordinary. If you've been in the studio doing your job, you have been in the studio uh, and in a mode of connection emotionally with some of the most high-profile people oh, ever totally. to walk yep. the earth, Steve. Yep. Is there something you found in common with them? They're not insecure. That would be the wrong word, but they're kind of – they're there. They're there to do their job and that's 
Yeah. Some of them are amazing technicians at being photographed. Like they could, they know as much or more than the photographer. Like, no, put the light there, put that there. You know, it works. I've been told that, but yeah, it's sort of if you, they know if you're if the lights are in the wrong spot, they'll know. Like, they'll be a bit, you know. Not sure that's going to work, but then then sometimes you get a beautiful little surprise as well, you know. Yeah. Something that's different, you know. Generally, you want to light something, you know. I like lighting from the front, like pretty simple. More one is, light. Is there something that you've noticed that is the commonality between, you know, just just personality wise around people that you've shot that are that successful? You know what? Like the bigger they are, the nicer they are. Are fine. Like it's sort of I shot Matt Damon once and that guy's the nicest guy on the planet same with Dave Grohl like the guys are like they have nothing to prove at all it's just yeah let's do it done sweet see ya they're just top people like and they're really good at what they do you know like so it's nice to photograph those people you know and everyone sort of has their moment you know I'm, I'm not sure what time you know, I might get someone on their worst day and they've got to try and perform for me. They were like, oh, that's the last thing I want to do, you know. But they do it and they're professional. That's probably, you know what, that's probably the commonality is they're, they're professional they understand what they need to do. They get it done, you know. It's like, okay, I get it. I've got to do this. Let's do it. Right. Next, you know. And they give you a little bit, you know. It's up to me to get the, you know, as much as I can out of them. Get that little extra sparkle. Yeah, you know. Yeah flirt with them if you gotta and if you have to yeah, yeah. Well, and that's mean the same, they do it with you it's that's the like, same with men and women it's just like oh man are you still playing that Gretsch I love that blue guitar it's exactly right oh my god it's my favourite yeah. the tone man and the that's tone just, and that's connecting you know like it's sort of a bit of common ground you know? yeah. that's it that's what it is uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because I would people when I ask the same question people ask me about, about Channel V and, and my time in the, you know interviewing yeah, bands yeah, yeah. and stuff like that you only ever saw, like, for second and third albums, it was only the nice guys that returned. Yeah, right. If you're a fuckwit on your first album and yeah. you wait until five in the morning to make some poor record rep drive you then straight to radio interviews that you were too blurted to do at six in the morning yeah. and then just, just blew your promo tour out, Yeah, yeah. we didn't see them again. They didn't come back for a second album. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, that's the, the ones that were, it's a job. Man. It's a job. That's it. That's it. It's a job because... I love my job, but I'd still rather go surfing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like I love what I do, don't get me wrong, and I'd still, I love taking beautiful pictures and being in nice parts of the world and whatnot, but I'd still rather surf with my friends. Would, you know? if, would you try to start a photography career now? Oh, isn't everyone a photographer now because <laughs> of Instagram? What has that done? What, uh, is, what is the propagation of like this camera, even the front-facing camera on my oh. phone is a higher quality, better resolution than the one that you were shooting manual focus on when you worked at Fairfax, yeah. right? What has it done to to photography now that this access is so, so ubiquitous? I don't know. I think it's a double-edged sword. Like I think it's destroyed an industry to a point in terms of, I don't know, just not, it's not as mysterious as it used to be, but everyone can do it then, you know, but it means that people have imagery, you know, so photography wins in the long run, but the professionals, I don't know, they sort of, 
you've really got, you've got to fight really hard to get your work these days. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there, you know, that are willing to shoot not for free but pretty cheap. I don't know how they make money, you know, and they can't raise your price later. Oh no, I made a mistake, you know, and it should be more expensive. But I don't know, cameras are still dear. Everything's expensive. Like your average Canon, like a good quality Canon's five and a half grand for the body only and lenses are two or three grand. Like it's a lot of outlay. And then, you know, like if if you're motion, you know, like red, far out they're expensive and you know, so I don't know. I don't, I, it's double edge. It's you have this amazing outlet for this imagery and things and I think everyone's a little bit desensitized to pictures now, you know, like they'll just flick through Instagram and they'll flick past these most beautiful pictures and then they'll stop on this someone taking a selfie. It's like really? It's so voyeuristic and whereas they're not really appreciating a picture. You know, it's sort of do you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know, I think it's they're losing the value. That's probably a good word, losing the value of it in a way, yeah. you know. What, what, is, what sticks out to me though is that in much the same way that, uh, how, do we, how do I put it, like when the barrier to entry to let's say music production no longer meant that you needed uh, a $20,000 a day recording studio yep. to – I love like podcasts, a perfect example. Yep. We're sitting here at this table. Yeah. There's probably $1,000 worth of equipment yep. on this table. Yep. That barrier to entry is there but it's pretty damn low. Yep. Like 10 years ago, we would have needed 10 times that more. Like, man, fuck that, 100 times more to distribute yep. what we're talking about, all right? Oh, so 100%. just because everyone can make it doesn't mean it's good. Yep. Where in your industry, in my industry, in any industry where – you know, the technical barrier to entry is now so low and so affordable that so many can get it. The difference is, like any, yeah, anyone can get a 10 grand business loan or whatever and go yeah. buy that Canon body and go buy that 50 mil 1.2, but not everyone can be you yeah, and have true. that emotional connection with someone, look in their eyes and have them go, okay, I trust you. Yeah. Bang. Oh, I trust a huge thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, because I'm my my whole gig is I'm not there to stitch anyone up or I don't, I'm not trying to catch anyone out. I just want to take a nice picture, rep, good representation of the person, and connect with them. It's sort of it's not like paparazzi and things like I just don't get it. Like it's just don't, I don't understand it. You know, I'm sure it has a place, but I'm not sure what it is. But it's I don't know. Is that Photography or not, I don't know. You know, it's closer to hunting. Personally. Yeah, it's just, I don't get it. But yeah. you know, that's I'm not meant to get it. It's not. Yeah, it's more it's like my thing. the way I look at it. It's more like trophy hunting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very opportunistic. It's it, just, yeah. it's like whoa, you know. Yeah. Here's here's a thing. You know, it's like when you go to I don't know. If, it's not less in Australia, but in the states, you go to someone's house and there's a head of a bear on the wall. You're oh like, yeah, I don't get that either. Like, like, okay, I get it. You, yeah. you stood in the woods and you shot it, but. Okay. Yeah, it's not the revenant. Like. <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's, yeah. um, sometimes you mentioned before that when, when things are out of control on yep. set, because um, oh, yeah. not everyone's going to be in that, yep. right? But I'm, I'm kind of interested to know what some skills that, you know, you've learned there that other people might be able to use. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When things are out of control, when you've got now on set, let me try and paint the picture. It's you, it's an assistant moving lights around, maybe a second assistant, you know, shuffling things. You've got your subject who will probably have one or two. Let's make it really big. Like a publicist, a personal assistant, the client, everyone's trying to make sure the product looks great. You know, the music's probably a bit too loud. No one can hear each other. You know, there's yelling, time's running out. I'm there. I can see this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all right. And then, you know, people are standing there staring at the monitor and they're looking at the proof sheet that there's 40 frames and nothing's working. Yeah. Um, not everyone's going to have that, but everyone knows like, fuck, man, I'm, I'm under the pump. Yep. What do you do? Two questions. What do you do to send yourself? What do you do to to kind of get back control of that situation? Okay. So, ooh, toughie secrets. Um, well, you, you're relying heavily on your first assistant big time. So, my assistant, Dan, it's amazing. So I'll rely pretty heavily on Dan. I might walk over to Dan and we'll have a little talk, a little quick word quietly. And I go, what do you think? And he'll tell me and then I'll get back. I'll probably – I will definitely put my camera down, definitely. I won't try and shoot through it, shoot through the situation. Put it down, have a little walk around, you know, um, just trying to equalize it a bit and just basically try and get things back to a simpler place, you know. I think things get a little bit – when you have to try really hard, you're never going to get it. It's like – it's like you know, when you try and force things, it's they usually break, you know. So you're trying to just – I don't know, you're just trying to get it back to a simpler way. So usually I find things aren't usually working when you're trying to do too much, I guess. Like so I'm trying to fulfill the brief. Plus, I'm trying to make it look good. Like it might, the brief might be a sketch, you know, and you're trying to make that picture look like that sketch, and you think it's never going to look like that sketch. That picture, that drawing is so off target, you know, it's never going to work. And, you know, if you don't flag that early on, that's your fault for not flagging it, you know, that's my fault. So I'll go, okay, we'll do that. Let's, and you just change tack. Totally, sometimes you have to. So you go, look, we're trying that way. Let's just swing it back this way and we'll try this way, you know. And sometimes it's the best thing you can do is be honest and say, look, this is not working. Let's try something else, you know. Let's have a little break. Let's try something else and and m- maybe make it collaborative or maybe just take total control and go, look, that wasn't working. I think we should do this because you your ass is on the line so you may as well wear it. So they, if you've fuck it up they're not going to use you anyway so you're better off taking control and actually trying to fix the situation i love the idea of slowing it down 
Like oh, the, the only thing that can make it worse is to try and shoot through it. Like oh, and that, yeah. that goes for everything. Yes, definitely. You know, slow it down. What can you do to slow the situation down? Yeah. Have a breath. You... Two-minute walk. <laughs> Little yeah. two-minute walk around the studio. <laughs> yeah, a few, few deep breaths. <laughs> yeah, I got told that the two-minute walk's a good one from um, – I only got told that recently from a – DAP, big DAP. I won't say who it is, but D- DAP can you just- a director of photography on cinema, and um, he's massive. And he said, "Yeah, just do a two-minute walk." And what does it? What does that look like? Just the walk around. Just looks like you're walking around, but you just you're just getting away from this from where you are, just to have a little. It's just to get yourself away from the camera, and then come back and look at it all with fresh eyes, because. Sometimes you've been shooting for hours and you're just looking at the same spot, you know, and you're trying to see something different. And sometimes you go away, come back, because oh, we did have it, we did get it, you know. And sometimes you're you're shooting that much that a shot can get lost in what you've already shot, and then some, just have to look through and yeah, that was good. See, we did get it, you know. And it's just sort of, you know, you just have to sometimes tell people that you've got it rather than thinking that you haven't got it. I like, I like the idea of the two-minute walk because if you're so if you're so in it, it's I guess it's like uh, you know there was a guy who used to work. That's a terrible analogy, but there was a guy I used to work with. Uh, he was on radio here, Brendan Jones. He used to oh, work, yeah, he was yeah. a sewerage guy. He used yeah, to work right. in the sewerage system here in yeah. Sydney. Uh, so it was like he goes, you stop smelling it after ten minutes. <laughs> so like your your senses kind of get dulled, right? You yeah. might be just staring down the lens, going click bing, click bing, click bing, and to the point where you're no longer able to notice the subtleties because oh totally like MPEG encoding, your brain's only refreshing the new parts, and so you don't understand. Yeah. you can't see the changes. So putting the camera down, walking away, putting the spreadsheet down, putting the book down, putting the kid down, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Walking away for two minutes. Yep. Coming back and going, ah. Oh, Oh, okay then. I did get it. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Or, oh, this is what we'll do now. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll shoot a little bit looser. We'll shoot a little bit tighter or whatever, you know. That'll change all that, you know. Or sometimes, like, I don't know. So, for instance, your book, I, I, I like you, you, what was that? Was that sort of a mid shot? Like yeah. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes you need to shoot a tight one so that the art directors and stuff know that, looks better tighter rather than looser but you've got to shoot loose so that they can crop in so yeah. you go look I'm going to shoot tight so you can see what it looks like without having to visualise it it's and that can help that can actually a good art director knows that anyway but sometimes to do it actually balances it out again as well yeah, yeah you know yeah, look we'll shoot tight do that I'll shoot it loose and you crop in and then you know I want to ask you. There's a there's an audio producer um, that I used to know, Stuart. I'll, I'll never forget him. We had this old ancient audio desk in uh, in the radio station in Brisbane, and there was many channels of it that weren't working. All right, yeah, so yeah. just think of one of those desks. You've seen it in the music videos. There's thousands of buttons, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of them, one of the channels wasn't working, and there was this particular knob, and uh, the producer would sit at the back of the room and go, "Something's not right." And he'd go, "Hang on one sec." He'd stop it. He'd just reach up to this knob and turn it. And then play it again. And I guess, no, have a listen to it this time around. That knob wasn't connected to anything. Oh, no way. That's so He cool. called it the producer knob. Oh, I like that. But and he'd go, how about that? And they, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, no. Is there a photography equivalent? Because <laughs> what he's, all he's doing oh. is just changing their bias. He's just simply yeah, yeah, just yeah. said something has changed <clears throat> when it hasn't. But Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I do remember, yeah, there's always – you can sell a picture definitely. 
Yeah. To, yeah, to get it over the line. Is you put a really good picture next to a really bad one, and the good one looks amazing. <laughs> you know? And you know that the bad one's bad. Like it yeah. might not be. It's just not there. And then, but you know, like you just I don't know. We we got told like I can't remember how how I was told it. Who told me? But so first picture was a good picture. Second picture was not so good. Third pitch was your best pitcher, and then fifth and sixth, and they get worse as they went down. But the third pitch was your best pitcher, yeah, right. And you'd hope to God that they choose the third pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've if you've primed their biases correctly, yeah, and yeah. then then because they're doing the contrasting, the brain contrast, right? You go, yeah. yeah. So it was like good, better, best, or is it better, good, best? Yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not. You should never if you don't like the pitcher. And if you, if you never put this way, if you never, never want to see if the photograph printed, don't submit it. Like, because it could pop up, you know. <laughs> right. So, they might run with it. Yeah. So, that's the best way to describe it is good, not so good, best. And then good, 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 good after that. You're just um, trying to sway it, you know. I think we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, which I'm grateful for. You've talked a lot about, you know, connecting with people, which I'm sure, you know, stuff that people might be able to definitely use in their life. We talked about, um, you know, taking control of an out-of-control situation, which sure. I'm sure people might be able to use in, their li- use in their life. Pretty much everyone's listening to this on a phone, a phone which has a camera on it, and yep. it's going to be the camera that everyone yep. takes. They might have gone and bought an SLR. They might have yep. got a mirror or something for Christmas. But yep. let's be honest, they take the picture of yeah, the baby's are. first step with the phone. Yep. Right? That's the camera that's always around. Yep. What's your, what's your, Steve Bacon, what's your top three phone shooting, better, make better camera pictures with your phone? I actually, you know, I just bought a, um, <laughs> a anamorphic lens attachment for my phone. Of course you did. You know, and it's unreal. <laughs> I love it. Do you have it with you? It's in the car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's sort of, I do like that. Um, camera wise, I don't know. Like I'm actually a terrible photographer with my um, my phone. I don't know like my kids are way better than me. I don't know why. That's yeah. their life, their world. But I, I find it. I don't really like wide angle pictures, which is weird that I bought this anamorphic lens because it's really wide. But I don't know. I, I think simple, simple things. Like so, with your phone, try and keep it simple. Division of thirds, always things like that, you know, just trying to – I try and adhere to the fundamentals of photography, you know, like with – For folks who've never heard what division of thirds is, what's that? So just divide your um, your frame up into three, basically. You can go horizontal or portrait, whatever. But when if your horizon's in the middle, it's sort of a little bit boring, you know. So if it, I put it in the bottom third or top third, you know, and trying to isolate your, your subject and – Things like use your primary colors and things as well, you know, like someone a red jumper on a blue ocean and things like that, you know. Position, 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 you know. <laughs> like uh, real estate. It is. It's like <laughs> if you're in a beautiful place and it looks beautiful with your eye, generally it's going to look pretty beautiful with a camera or a phone or something like that, you know. Yeah. That's why the, that's why Instagram's gone absolutely ballistic with like location things. Like people are going to these most amazing places with a little – camera like they're not lugging gear which is such a bonus like yeah they can even swim with them you know like put them in a little i think you can get underwater bags yeah access the access go does like i think down yeah. 10 meters yeah uh, iphone 7 just bangs it's it like in. it's amazing you know like it's pretty cool 
Like, yeah. Because the, the cameras are getting better and better. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they will replace things eventually. Like, sort of, I guess they will. You know, we'll all walk around, turn up to a shoot and I'll have like a bag of anamorphic attachments for my um, phone. Like, what are you shooting on? Oh, iPhone 28, you know. Oh, it's not as good as iPhone 20, but, you know, it'll do. How long? How many megapixels that? I wonder what will change. Once, once uh, you can sync an iPhone to a strobe, Oh, God. That'll change everything. Well, you probably can, you know, like the flash should trigger the lights, you know. It's a, that'd be the tricky part. We should try it, actually. We should try it next time we shoot in the studio. Let's try and uh, slave the one of the lights because they slave. They can slave them off the other strobes, like, you know. So, what if that could happen? Yeah, it should work. I'm sure someone's done it. Someone's done everything. <laughs> <laughs> You know? I love it, man. I love it. But uh, look, I'm so grateful you came. I'm so grateful we could talk about that because, you know, I'm, the photo you've taken, it just ab- it absolutely says what's on the box. And oh, I'm so man. grateful that you captured that. I was a privilege to um, photograph you again. I love it. It's a crack. It's always nice when you shoot and I like it when someone walks in and you both smile. Like it's like, <laughs> hey. It's like... um. Nice to see you again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I love that. Well, I, I, I guess, you know, I was walking in knowing that we are going to get, we're going to get this, this is going to be staring out at people from airport books. You know, this oh, is going to, totally. people are going to walk that through. That could end up w. being pretty big at the airport. You know, a big poster, like you'll get sick of seeing your head, but you should be, every time you walk past it, you go, g'day self. <laughs> <laughs> I say, like, hey, Steve. Yeah, I will. Every time I walk, if I'm at the airport, every time I walk past, that I'll go, hey, Osh. <laughs> I do that with pictures. Like if I see a picture and it's a billboard somewhere, every time I try, drive past, I'll go, hey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Thanks so much for coming around. Thanks for making the effort. I really Thank appreciate you. that we could get nerdy and talk about pictures. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, bro. I'm going to shoot you now. All right. Yeah. That was Steve Bacon. You can find him on Instagram, which is a good place if you're a photographer and you have social media leanings. Bacon Photo. It's like bacon with two Cs. B-A-C-C-O-N-P-H-O-T-O. Bacon Photo. Tell him you've heard him here and that you might have enjoyed the show. Massive thanks to everyone that helped make this show today. Andy Ma, who uh, he and I had a cracking lunch at Herbivore on Chapel Street the other day before the show. It was great to see Andy and everyone coming along to the gigs. Rachel Barrett, my uh, audio producer for this show and my life producer just in general she's just incredible Toe Hyder for being fantastic and you for listening because I can't make the show if no one listens to it and um, as we come into the final breaths of this year still figuring out how the entire team's going as far as you know dealing with holidays and everyone taking a break with you know Rachel and me and Andy and everybody so there may be a couple of greatest hits episodes on the way but don't worry, we'll put new intros on everything. So there might be some stuff you haven't heard for a little while or if you're new, there might be some stuff from the back catalogue you might not have explored yet. Um, but I'll let you know as we go. I'll keep you posted about that. Thank you so much for listening, no matter what you're doing. Stay safe this week. Look after yourself. Uh, until we talk next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 